0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 29. My name is Damian Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Now, before we get into today's podcast, can you do me a favor, and when the episode is over, can you head over to one of your favorite social media accounts, whatever you really like to use, and share either the magazine or the podcast with your friends and family? It's a big help in getting the word out about Rootless Living. Today, I chat with Jacob and Michelle, the duo behind I Budgets, and I'm excited to introduce you to a couple that really sold everything they had, that actually really experienced some pretty big hiccups at the start, pushed through that and fell in love with raising their family on the road but again before i say too much let's get into the episode all right with that i want to welcome jacob and michelle to the show how are you guys
1: doing well we're good yeah, awesome thanks for having us.
0: yeah yeah i'm glad you guys are here too i'm excited about this uh quick little interview and finding out more about you guys and so one of the things i like to do is i like to go back really quick before before you went full time And uh, let's go back to when this kind of lifestyle hit your radar. When was that? And what were you guys doing? Where were you guys living? All those kind of things.
1: Yeah, you know, what's funny. We've had tidbits of like, wouldn't it be nice if moments? Um, I think the first time was when, Uh, we were visiting my grandparents our son was really young so it was like eight years ago nine years ago
2: oh yeah we stayed in their um little class a because as like their guest room basically they had to sleep out there and it was the first time i think we'd ever been in a camper and and we were like oh this is cool like I, i like literally started renovating it in my head um and this is before like Instagram even existed. And anyone could see all these beautiful pictures of renovated RVs. I was like, Oh, I would like move this and I'd paint this. And then we found a blog. Um, I
1: don't know. It's going to be almost four or five years ago.
2: Yeah. It was like just a little, like, like back when blogs were just like, um, personal, just little personal things. And, um, it was this family that, you know, did the whole, like go off and travel in an RV for a year. And um we'd never really heard of anyone who actually did it before and so we like binge read their blog and we're like okay one day we need to do this we need to figure out how to do this and that's Mm -hmm. kind of where it ended for us at that moment we were like okay someday
1: yeah and then essentially through life and growth and, and this is a big part of our story is just we had a lot of growth in my career but then i got swamped and just it kind of took over our life and then we had super stressed mental breakdown as we were having more kids at the same time so we have three three children with us and it was in late 2017 that multiple sort of mental breakdowns that led us to consider even consider doing this thing and it was a very quickly from what if instead of buying that bigger house we've been looking for for a year and a half or that the bigger better more what if we just sold it all and left and then very quickly after that it was how do we sell it all and leave and then it was we are going to sell it all and leave in the next seven months. And yeah, it, was, it went very, very quickly. It escalated quickly. Yeah. So that was uh, holiday time 2017. And we essentially said, hey, our 10-year wedding anniversary is on August 2nd, 2018. Yep.
0: It's funny. There isn't like a magical number. There are people that take years of planning. And then there are times where it's really fast. And I would say usually it's within about a year that most people that I've had on the show from when they really kind of say, okay, this is what we want to do to then actually launching. So you guys are right there in that kind of platform. I know that you did say in kind of some of the pre-show notes that you sold 95% of your stuff, which it's really hard for people to get rid of all the things because we really become our things. And let's go through that process a little. How was that?
2: Um, it was a full-time job. So that was really my department. Jake was still working and I was home with the kids. We had a, um, what at the time, five, two and baby. Um, no, that's not right. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter how old the kids Young are. kids. Edit that out. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm totally leaving um, that because it's, everyone's going to be related to that where it's like, <laughs> I know I'm going to get I'm going to get an email. I'm going to get an email from some 9-year-old. I can't believe my mom got this wrong. We were 5, <laughs> 3 and 18 months.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all such a blur. I don't even know anything from that time period. But um from the moment we decided like, okay, yes, we're doing it. It's not like oh, um, you know, yeah, let's, let's see how it works out. Let's like work towards it and see. Cause I knew that would never happen. Like we need to like make this the biggest goal we've ever had in our life or we needed to just give up the idea. So the second we we're like, yes, we're doing it. I literally like started gathering stuff from the house and posting it on um, Facebook marketplace. So pretty much, um, I decided, like we need to make, I know a lot of people look back and wish, I wish I had just donated everything and just like maybe sold a couple of the big things, but like, I wish I would just donate everything. And I love that. That's awesome. But for me, I actually kind of, I think I like kind of enjoyed selling everything. I figured, um, if I could get five bucks for it easily, I would list it. So, um, I would, you know, like a bowl, like a set of four kitchen bowls. I was like, oh, okay, five bucks. And I just did porch pickups. Like I said, okay, um, you know, I'm putting it on the porch. What time can you be here? And I wouldn't give out my address until they said they were like on their way because no shows are such a big problem. And I don't like dealing with that. But I actually really enjoyed selling everything we made, not including um, the cars and stuff. We made like what, six, seven. Mm $7,000. And we have a storage unit. We have a 10 by 10 storage unit that's pretty full and it's got tools and our king size bed and a bunch of sentimental things in it. But um, for the most part, we sold everything. We did it all on Facebook Marketplace except for, I think, two garage sales, of mm-hmm. the random stuff that wasn't selling on there. And we sold most stuff at the garage sale. And I literally did not refuse an offer. If someone offered me money for something, I took it. I didn't want to like stress about how much we made from the stuff. I just wanted to make anything.
1: And how many hours a week? I mean, you were putting in 20 plus hours a week. Oh, I'm sure. Or I don't more. remember. And, and at the same time- time for some context I traveled every week I was gone and then as we were getting everything ready to sell and selling everything we also had to finish remodeling our house, get it listed and sold. And we remodeled the entire RV as well. So we decided to say just throw everything on our plate <laughs> at once and just see what happened. And it was, it was nuts. It was crazy. But we had that goal. We set that date and we said, this is the date doing the thing. And then we just figured it out.
0: Did you guys make the goal? Did you make the date?
1: We almost, almost. did. We almost did. So yeah, we
2: were going to leave on August 2nd. That was our 10-year wedding anniversary. We ran into some trouble renovating the RV. We found water damage, had to replace a a wall in the slide out, do some kind of reinforcing on the floor of the slide. Um, and we still had to sell Jake's car. Um, so we didn't leave on the 2nd. Uh, There's another story in there, but it's kind of long. We ended up leaving on the 17th. So just two weeks later, which I felt pretty good about. We did go out in the RV on the 2nd. So we did actually go spend the night in the RV Mm -hmm. on the day we said we would. So that was good.
0: I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, even it's it's hard because you are limited by what's selling. It's not like just setting a date and saying, okay, we're leaving on this date. When you're renting and maybe you don't own a vehicle or you're not getting rid of these big items, it's a little easier. It's also hard too, because you got to kind of keep the car. Car up until closest to the date of leaving, obviously, too, and things yeah. like that. So, but it is interesting that you guys did keep a storage unit. I do hear from people that, but I think if I remember correctly, your idea was just to do it for like a year, right? So, a storage unit kind of makes sense. Um, but now, it sounds like you've gone past that year.
1: Yeah. So, the idea was um, we, we were, were blessed and, and we bought a house that was uh, down in the market and, and it grew in equity. And so, we said, okay, we've got some equity, we have some savings let's take a reset year because of everything that had gone on. Uh, and even actually those last six months was made it even more stressful, but they said, let's just take 12 months to do this sort of Epic adventure, reset, reconnect with the family, re, you know, define our core values and what we want to do with the rest of our lives. And we'll come back, plug in, um, settle somewhere and, you know, I'll get the job and we'll do all that stuff. And, and along the way, very quickly, we realized this, like the freedom we didn't realize we were missing Yeah, um, was just an incredible change in who we were and our attitudes and it improved like every aspect of our lives and our relationships. And, and so as we started going, it was probably about six months in, I was like, you know, I really, so I've always run a, a personal finance website to help people with money and budgeting just because I really enjoy that. I put it off for years and years and years and just let it sit there
2: it was something he started to make money when our first son was born Mm -hmm. um and it was an income stream for a while because we weren't making enough with his day job and then me quitting to stay home so he started it he was making some money with it and then when he got this high pressure job that ended up being the catalyst for us like leaving everything he's like oh i need to pick back up this passion project
1: yeah and then the more we talked about it the more it was like i don't want to live life on someone else's terms we've got to figure out a way to to embrace this freedom and and help people and do something i'm extremely passionate about we started to rebuild that and build ideas around okay how do we grow this as a business and um yeah the the 12 month mark came and went and we were back in their home area spending time with family in seattle area but we were like yep let's let's up in Let's do this thing. Let's go figure out how to make this work. And we so, just couldn't
2: quit this freedom. There's no way we could go back to the old way of
1: life. Exactly. We're too changed from the inside out to to go back to what was quote unquote normal back
0: then. Yeah. And I think that happens for a lot of people. That's why I really feel like the one year time frame is a really good one. You'll do it long enough to really figure out how you want to do it moving forward, whether it's full-time, part-time, sometime. But for a lot of people, myself included, you know, it wasn't, I didn't launch with the idea of being a full-time RVer. I launched with the idea of being able to move around easily to figure out where I wanted to live and then fell in love with the lifestyle, which I hear from a lot of people, which is great. And obviously there's a lot of people that burn out and I think it is, it's figuring out your pace and what works for you going back into, you know, like area where family is and spending time there, all those different, you know, kind of caveats that people need to like look at and feel and do. But once you do find your freedom sweet spot, it, it is hard to think about going back to anything else is like property or even a, a smaller home, even on kind of the radar, or are we really just stick into an RV for a while?
1: Yeah, I think for us, um, we wanted to keep going to embrace the freedom and Obviously, we love travel and and we found that, as you said, freedom sweet spot and traveling sweet spot of like, okay, here's the pace we like. Here's what we like to do. We really enjoy national parks and some free camping and boondocking and um, mixed in with some stability so we can work on the business. And so we, we found that. Um, but we do still have aspirations to uh, settle down somewhere, plug into a local community, and have a, a physical property. Yes, a house. It's not going to be the what was it like four thousand square foot house we used to be looking oh, at. Oh gosh! So <laughs>
2: before we were before we decided to literally sell everything and move into three hundred square feet, we were house shopping for houses that were over three thousand square feet on several acres and all this huge, like, you know, cause we needed more room for our stuff. <laughs> so yeah, now the houses we look at, when I see a house that's like 900 square feet, I'm like, dang, that's like three times the size of what we got. We can make that work, but I don't, I don't see us in a house bigger than 2000 square feet. Yeah. 1500 was what our old house was. And I think that was a, you know, a really nice size. The kids are a little bit probably more antsy for a house than we are right now and I don't know if it's because we've been stationary for a little bit longer than usual but um they are like we want some more space to play inside mama I'm like we have all this space outside go outside
0: <laughs> I do feel like and I don't think a lot of times I'll repeat myself on the podcast because be I'm always on the show but I don't think I've said this where I feel like this would actually be a really good lifestyle for that Like maybe right out of high school up until you decide to go to college or right out of college for a little while. Because I do believe it really does kind of, I don't know if the word is humble you, but I think it really brings you back into kind of reality of what's important. And I agree that if you would have, you know, 10 years ago asked me what I want, it probably was an 8,000 square foot home with like an eight-car garage, you know, and try to figure out a way how to have a car in every garage and all these things. And, you know, the kids would have all been moved out by now and I've got this 8,000 square foot home and I'm probably completely upside down in it and drowning in it kind of a thing. But when I moved into 400 square feet, it really feels like a lot of space. And when I do think about if I ever bought something, I'm right with you guys that even double this. I do make the joke that I want like a 10 foot by 10 foot shower. I want like a hundred square foot shower. That's what I want. More yes. Than, you know, at six foot yeah. seven, I deserve that. After six foot seven, after taking showers in an RV, I deserve a giant shower.
2: Oh, you do with like 10 foot ceilings at least.
0: Exactly. And so like, that's the, you know, like everyone's gonna be like, your house is so small, but my shower, have you seen it? You know, <laughs> It's got a guest room right there. Enjoy. So it's great that you guys are kind of thinking through that and figuring it out. And I, I bet it is hard when you have to do longer stays with the kids they do probably start to bounce off the wall let's talk about that a little too about being a family on the road how has that been what are the ages now i knew i threw you for a loop earlier michelle but <laughs> <laughs> what are their ages today and and how's that going
2: i do know how old they are today actually they are eight six and three so that is accurate information um they Um, I think they like it for the most part. Um, And if you ask them, my oldest especially, he's pretty funny. He's like, well, I think I would like a life where I get to travel all the time and I do all this like we do now, but I think I might also like a life with a big house and video games. Because we don't have video games in the RV. But no, they've liked it for the most part. And I think my favorite part about it is just like all of the hands-on learning that we've been able to do as we travel around all of the national parks and monuments and the different towns and cities and all the history that they've got to see, all the science, all of that. We will watch TV maybe and we'll see something that we're like, oh yeah, like remember when we were there? Or remember, you know, like, oh yeah, we know about that because of this. Experience we had, you know, on our travels. And I think as they grow older and we just continue to share those stories because the two younger ones, um, you know, I think the middle one will remember stuff a little bit. She's five now, uh, six. Oh my gosh, I don't know how old my wow. kids are. <laughs> the oldest one, he's eight. <laughs> He'll remember stuff, but our three-year-old, you know, I don't know, but I think we tell the stories and, and they'll remember. And I think as they grow, they'll really have an appreciation for it, especially once they become adults, they'll be like, oh yeah, that time my parents were super cool and took us on this trip all around the country because that's pretty epic thing to do when you're a kid. I mean, they've seen just as much of this country as I have pretty much. So
1: I would say from uh, my perspective, that was a big part of leaving was I need to stay plugged in with my family. And I felt myself, I was traveling all the time. And then when I come home, I wasn't there. I was mentally solving work problems or doing something else. And so I wasn't actually invested in my kids. I I wasn't a great listener at what's going on in their lives and responding and, and being part of it. And I've seen such a huge difference just being here. And like, yeah, it gets noisy. And sometimes it gets crazy because we're you know, "quote unquote" trapped in this tiny little space with all this noise, but I wouldn't have it any other way because it it really did change the dynamic of how I relate to my family and my kids, and I just know things about them and you know things about me that I never would have gotten if we had done uh, basically continued down the path we were going. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's one of those things that I you know gotten what I wanted, and, which was one of the main drivers for making this life switch so i love having the kids around all the time even if it's nuts and it makes it hard to work or or you know or anything else it's it's what we really wanted
2: well and i think also too watching their relationship grow together watching them become best friends because they're who they're always with you know they're they've all they're how do you say it they're all each other's got um Mm -hmm. but at the same time learning Um, them learning to make friends, watching them go out onto a playground and just, you know, ask a kid to play or see a kid ride by on the, on the bike at the RV park. And they're like, Oh, look, a friend. And they go out and they make friends. And it wasn't like that in the very beginning. You know, it was a skill they have learned over time. And now they are so used to talking to strangers, um, so used to just going up and making friends. And I think that's a really important skill to have. And so I really love that they've learned that on this journey.
0: I feel like as a society, we have stopped our kids from doing that, from talking to strangers or being around strange kids. In and around this lifestyle, it's a little bit more comfortable in a sense than you know, kind of like moving into a new neighborhood and how long it takes you, you allow the the curve to settle where it's like, we're only going to be here two weeks. We've got to get to know these people quick. Yeah. But it is, it it's really refreshing. I've been in places where I've actually, I'm not a big, like I would say, crier, but I've gotten, you know, pretty close to it where I see kids that are They're not from the same family. They're all kind of together out playing and they're not being helicopter parented, you know, depending on the age. I mean, obviously, there's always an age where you kind of have to have eyes on. Yeah. And it really brought me back to like the 70s and 80s and the childhood I have where you know, it's you just, just sticks, rocks, and climbing a tree, and you had a ball. And yeah. those, those skills, I think, are, there's something there that's related. I, and I'll take a weird side thing. I had a cousin that never crawled, and there's part of his brain that didn't develop because he never crawled. He went straight from sitting to running. And I feel like the same thing with our kids today. They're, they're missing out on what we kind of, even, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, what you kind of went through. And I see that a lot more in these campgrounds, and I like that a lot. And especially I see like older people, they're so interested in other people's kids because it's just them being able to have like little adopted grandkids for a little while. And and I like that aspect of it too, which is really cool. So I'm glad you guys are allowing that and seeing that too. Uh, I will always remember being in West Virginia and watching a group of kids, maybe take a hundred yard kind of paddle to a little island, ages six to 13, life jackets and all that, but not one parent with them. And I was like, that's amazing. Eyes are still on them, but- it was just kids being kids and it's really yeah. cool
2: yeah we were at a um a campground in florida and there was we were parked right on this little pond and they had free kayaks that you could just go walk up and hop in and paddle around this tiny little pond and um the older two i took them out a couple times and they they learned how to they they both wanted their own kayaks and i was like okay And, um, you know, we had life jackets and the whole thing, but they learned how to get in their own kayak, push off and paddle. I mean, this tiny pond, they paddled around. And so we got to the point where I felt comfortable sending them, you know, a couple camp spaces over to go put in their kayaks. And I told them paddle right out back over to me and they'd go paddle around by themselves, you know, while I'm watching them. Um, but yeah, it was like the sense of independence that Um, I think is so good for kids and yeah, to not be helicopter parented and have their freedoms. And yeah, we love that aspect of this lifestyle. We're all about the free range babies.
0: Yeah. I remember when my youngest son was walking his sister, they were sixth grade and fourth grade. And at the time, Luke, who's like six, nine now was maybe like six feet tall. He looked like a little adult and he walked his sister home and you know, it's like one stop sign. You have to make a left and I'm there when you make the left to kind of watch them. I had some parent like go off on me. Like a week later, I saw Luke and Hope walking home and I was like, I used to walk eight miles. I was mean, probably wasn't eight miles, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> through the city and, you know, it's like so weird that we've gotten so away from that. And I really have been, you know, watching other, there's literally a kid next to me that has a stick that he's made look like a little gun and he's out there, you know, shooting squirrels with a stick. And I'm like, that's just the way it, should be in a way and we've lost yeah. a lot of that and I've seen so much of it so I'm really it's it's one of those things too where I think people talk about well I don't know if I could really do it with the kids I'd worry about them so much there really is a community that yeah. you know whether you're boondocking or and campsites and don't get me wrong there's there's things wrong like any neighborhood is things that are wrong you still have to you know trust your gut and you know look around and figure things out and say hi to people there's still that it's not a perfect kind of bubble, but it is a different bubble for sure. And I think it's a really interesting, I didn't want to do it with my family. Again, I didn't know about it. But when I first started thinking about it, like my first year on the road, I was like, Oh, I couldn't have done this with the kids. I'd have gone bananas. But I think I was taking my single dad raising four kids into picture and then not really thinking about from the kid's perspective and now that I've seen kids doing it I'm like this is this is actually a really great experience and and I know Michelle you're saying the youngest probably won't remember it but the stories that they're going to be told through photos and videos and they'll remember it you know what I mean like it's we remember that stuff so that's what's really cool
2: yeah definitely and I think even what I kind of I don't worry about him not remembering it because I know it's shaping who he is and so you know it's like yeah he'll have the stories and it's it's his life it's how he's growing up and it's gonna it's changing us all of us and it's shaping you know the family that he's in for the rest of his life anyway so
1: well and one thing we've been really intentional about is having them actually journal. So even our three-year-old will tell the story of where we just were and what happened Yeah, there. he just
2: started journaling um, in the last couple months because he saw the big kids telling their stories. I write I write the journals and the kids tell me their stories so that they're not limited by their own ability to handwrite. And so they tell me their stories and I write it all down and the three-year-old wants to get in and he's always interjecting his little memories. It is the sweetest thing because sometimes he comes up with stuff that I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that did happen. And this is the thing you remember and it's so special
1: it's through his eyes so they can go back and look at those so we're gonna we're gonna digitize them too to make sure we make sure they're safe but having them go through tell the stories through their eyes and then when they go back and read those or we go back and read those memories they're they're actual memories and not just like oh look at the pictures and just think about it later it's like fresh and through the
0: perspective that's really cool i like that a lot so it sounds like the family's doing good it sounds like jacob you really were probably getting pretty close to a serious burnout and you obviously made a change that's really helped kind of both you and your family and again it was for the one year what are you guys doing right now for income now that we've passed the year
1: yeah so um one thing is that I'm always like a backup plan for the backup plan guy. So we, we still are using some of that savings, um, but I've, I'm building the online business, which is just our, our website, uh, iHeartBudgets. And and it started as a passion project because uh, I didn't know what I was doing with money. I actually have this story where I blew through $100,000 in two years when I was 18, which is an awful story when I go back and account for it. But, um, and then I got engaged as soon as I went broke. And so I got really passionate about having a plan for our money. We lived on very little, but we're able to make it work. And then I started talking about it nonstop and helping coworkers and friends and family. And, and eventually Michelle got sick of hearing about it. And she's like, can you just go like talk at the internet about this? And so I started the website uh, and it's truly just about having a plan for your money. Budgeting is the tool that I use. Um, because it really is uh the best tool to to make a money plan. And so now we're it's doing all things through, you know, advertising and affiliates and, and we're actually booting up a uh full on uh money class where we're gonna do some live teaching and, and the whole deal. But that business is still kind of coming off the ground. Um and it's it's really in the last month or so really started to take off
2: the hard work um, is starting to pay off of all of the <laughs> We've been really, really, like, full-time working on it since um, uh, September September 2019. Yeah. Sorry, 2019.
0: 2019. What year is it? And that is actually part of this lifestyle. It's funny to try to figure out what day. People are struggling with that, or at least they were struggling that with in and around COVID. A lot of people that had to go to, like, remote work. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's something we've been dealing with forever. We rarely know what day it is. Yeah. That kind of lifestyle. One
2: time we we thought we were so smart to go somewhere on a Monday. We're like, oh, we're going to go to this popular place on a Monday. No one's going to be there. Oh, yeah. And we get there and there's lines like zigzagging everywhere. I'm like, what is going on? Everyone's like, oh, it's what what day was it? President's President's Day. Day." And I'm like, President's Day? What people have today off of work? I was so shocked. I was just proud. I knew it was Monday, and, right. and we totally backfired because <laughs> I didn't pay attention to the date.
0: So going back to the business real quick, is it in and around anyone's budgets, or is it specific to the RV lifestyle, or a little bit of both, or?
1: Yeah, w- so it's it's it really budgeting is universal and so right. it's anyone's. So it's I, I teach some core principles around how to get started and build that budget, and then the path you should take to build and like how to like set your goals in place so you can actually hit them and reverse engineer them. Um, and then, um, and I have an order of operations on, on how I see people building what I call financial freedom best. Um, we do kind of incorporate some of the RV stuff in it, you know, so we call it, uh, we have a, a printable worksheet binder called the roadmap to financial freedom. And it's like, <laughs> you know, giving people a path to go on with their money, no matter where they're at Right, the, the best time, to, to start a budget was when you got your first job, the second best time is today, right, right. And so i I take people from where they're at, you know help them put that start pin in the map, and then set their destination, which is their goals, and then the the budget helps them you know put their turn by turn directions all the way there, if you know you want to take that road trip metaphor we We like that metaphor a lot yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I feel like the one thing COVID exposed to me that might be different is I, I know that we as Americans, a lot of us are living check to check. Like that's just going to happen. I was shocked how many businesses and even large businesses had really no resources to be shut down for a month or two. Like it, within a week, they were going belly up. In this lifestyle that's different than a bricks and stick is you can actually be a little bit more fluid and kind of do things and adjusting in your budget in a way that you really can't sometimes in a bricks and sticks. There's just certain things you can't move around. But in this lifestyle, you can. And mm-hmm. I and I think budgeting is so important. I'm not good at it. I haven't done a really good job of it. I think my life's gotten a lot, obviously, less items that I have to kind of keep an eye on with this lifestyle than, say, a bricks and sticks. Mm-hmm. But it still got me thinking that you know, I have to be in a position that if something went wrong, I would be okay for at least, you know, like three months to six months. And I think we've lost that, I feel like, as a society, or we've lost it, that's possible. Like we we don't live within our means. We want to live the lifestyle that our budget can or that our finances can't afford. And that's always really funny to me. How do you battle that with people where it's like, you know, here's a life I want. It's $200,000 a year. I only make 60, but I want to live this $200,000 life year. How do you bring people back into reality with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the, the example you just mentioned is just call it acting your wage, right? It's okay to desire this lifestyle. Um, but what I try to tell people is like, you can, you can do the things you want to do as long as you uh, go through all of your spending and cut out all the stuff that actually isn't important to you. So I do what's called priority-based budgeting. And so it's, let's look at where your money's been going. So you can't even put a start pin in the map if you don't even know your current location, right? Going back to that metaphor, like what does the GPS say? Where are you at? I don't know, okay, let's go look at your past spending here's the lifestyle you've been living, right? And then you just categorize all that stuff. So now you have a starting point. Okay, this is your realistic budget. I think step one, people create budgets based on where they think they should be spending money, but not based on their reality. And then it fails. And then it fails again and they're like, I give up, this is a stupid tool, didn't actually work. Hmm. But you gotta start based on where's your money actually going? And then you go through and you say, okay, what what are my priorities in life, my goals? you know, have like a dream session with your spouse. like I want to, uh, to come back yourself or with yourself, right? yeah, if you're if you're not um, married, but go through and and talk about what is that dream life that we want? What is important to us? What are some of those longer term goals? and and for day to day, like what is what are what are our actual priorities? like family, friends, community, what are those things? Write them down on paper then you're actually starting to build that dream life and and you're you're visualizing it and you're saying okay this is what it could look like and then you go back to your spending and you're like if anything on this list does not coincide with what my dream life actually looks like just cut it just go slice it all out and there's so much of those little things i call it death by a thousand needles but basically these tiny little leaks that could sink a ship that that just permeate daily spending because we're just not paying attention like just simply paying attention makes a huge difference in your finances so that's sort of like step one is like figure out where stuff is actually going figure out what's important to you and then marry the two whatever is not important just toss it right and then we can start creating a budget that works because then it's based on something you actually care about if you create a budget that's That's just like what you think you should be doing with your money to quote unquote, do better people. That's where people start seeing it. Oh, this budget is so restrictive. This budget cuts out all the fun. I'm like, no, your budget should build in all the cool things you love, you know, within your means. Like if your income is lower than your spending, you've got to correct that, but you can actually start getting on that path to financial freedom. And then I've got a a series of steps. I walk people through, um, you know, having that buffer in place, at least a month of expenses put away, like you said, three to six months is even more comfortable, especially when you're on the road, this type of lifestyle, or if you're running a business, I would say 12 months, is a really good buffer to get to, but you, you build that buffer, you make sure you, uh, not only pay off <laughs> consumer debt, but avoid consumer debt. And then you look at, you know, long, those term goals. How do I start investing toward those goals, saving toward those goals? And then, um, you're much more satisfied when you actually know when you're going to get to those places you're going to get to, then, Oh man, I hope someday I blank or I would love to someday blank, or wouldn't it be amazing if we could just quit and leave for a year? Well, did you know you can actually quantify that and then put it into your budget and save toward it and then go do the thing. And, and, and so when I start opening up those layers and showing people what's possible and then, they see it all on paper, like, oh, this is an actual plan, not just a dream. I tell people essentially a goal is just a dream with a plan. And so when they have those things in place and a passion for where their money is going and an intention and a big, deep, why am I doing this? Then not only do they actually start to make progress and hit those goals, but they enjoy life a lot more along the way because they know they're doing the right thing with their money. No, That's it makes
0: sense. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I think people definitely need to do it. I think I read a book, gosh, decades ago. I think it was called Money Drunk, Money Sober. And um, it had a practice where like you had to like write down everything you spent for a month, no matter what, you know, you took change out of your pocket and then you just go back and look. And I couldn't believe the amount of money like I spent on books and fast food and gas. Like, I don't think I was really monitoring that. And I was shocked how much money I was spending. And and I was, look, books and fast food, those aren't essential by any means. I could got a library card and, you know, cook more at home. And I was struggling. And then I figured out really quickly, there were some really quick changes I can make to not be struggling and struggling is not worth it. I think one of the things I do see in a lot of groups and a question I ask is, you know, how affordable is the RV lifestyle? And there's one, it's where you're coming from, coming from Los Angeles, man, it's cheap. It's a great lifestyle. Like go for it. The other aspect is you can make this lifestyle, anything you want. You don't have to be, I think my neighbor has a, probably a $2 million coach, you know, you don't have to buy that one. You can really kind of figure it out. I think a lot of people use that as a stumbling block. They'll look at the, the ultimate dream. Nobody starts with the 3000 or 5,000 square foot home. And it's weird that in this lifestyle, that's what people look at is they look at the ultimate dream where they probably could start right now with what they have and save a ton of money compared to where they're living. Again, depending on where they're living. And it's it's weird that people don't pull the trigger. And I go back to that idea of, you know, look at you yourself at 18 blowing through money. I just feel like we get out of high school, we go to college. In those two years, like 18 to like even 21, those three years that if we were doing something besides going to college, whether it was, you know, backpacking through Europe or traveling the country in an RV with friends or whatever it is, there's just something so much better in and around money and the things that you want. And you're just focused more on experiences because I think you said it too with the vagueness, you know, I want to be rich. I want to be happy. those vague terms don't mean anything you really have to pinpoint it and I like that you're helping people do that with the budget I'll definitely get more information so people can kind of find it but if you could because you're a budget guy and I used to ask this and then it got kind of complicated for people so I'm gonna put you on the spot see if you can do it if your old life cost a hundred dollars a month what do you think your your current life costs you now Traveling. What's kind of the percentage? Did it go up or did it go down from traveling full time?
1: Yeah. So we have two phases. Year one, we were planning on only having a year off. So we wanted to do all the things. So I would say if a typical month was a hundred, it was probably closer to eighty to eighty-five dollars a month. And then when we realized we were gonna keep going and we wanted to pair way down, it's probably now closer to fifty. Yeah, comparatively yeah
2: and we had a low mortgage for the seattle area we had a low mortgage it was
1: 1800 a month all included i mean so
2: that's cheapish for seattle area
1: we were looking at doubling that when we were shopping and so um yeah it's i mean because we were in a little more expensive area seattle area um this year since we've gotten intentional we were able to basically cut our expenses in half
2: especially with during um during covid and sel- shelter in place our fuel budget was um 47 dollars
1: <laughs> we did travel a ton before that and it was closer to 600 on average yeah when you year.
2: when you cross the country you know obviously in this lifestyle the fuel can be quite variable but again if you're looking to do this cheaply you just travel slower you you don't drive as far or
0: yeah, I think I got, during COVID, I think I got 60 days to the gallon, I think is what I got. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, but I, I mean, I really, that's the point, like I like to talk about with people sometimes in and around kind of the cost is, I probably say that I'm somewhere around $30 compared to my old hundred currently. That's but amazing. I'm on the, I mean, basically on this call with you guys, I'm looking at a lake out my back window. And I never had that view that I was paying $100 a month for you know what I mean I was my neighbors shared walls to the left and right of me and I didn't know them I never used my front door I went in and out through my garage you know that was my kind of lifestyle so it is really it really is up to someone what they're willing to get rid of that they don't need when it sounds like you really do help people see that and understand that Jacob which I think is so important that's literally what you're doing is showing people how to look at what they're spending stuff on that they don't need to be, how they can remove it to the point where probably even with the income they're having with the right budget, they can either start living the life they want to now or they can get there pretty quick with a solid date. So I'm excited about all that. And again, mm-hmm. I'll definitely link all this at the, the bottom of it. One of the things I like to do, this is something I used to do with my kids. We'd all sit at the dinner table and they, you know, they range the gauntlet at ages from 18 to eight and I would say, give me a higher low. And I just wanted them to be able to see that no matter where they're at in their life, that they're all kind of going through things. And I think the same thing with this lifestyle, with Instagram, we can all make it look really pretty. So I like to do a low and a high. I like to start with the low. What's been a low in full-time RVing for you guys outside of uh, the internet and flat tires come up a lot. So I try to get rid of that. So <laughs> what's been kind of a low for you guys?
1: well that was like right when we started so i can't even count that we we had a dog die the day we left the the very Um, first
2: day that august 2nd date our our dog died Uh, wow that was yeah it was awful so that was definitely a low we had a lot of lows leading up to leaving
1: and the and within 10 days of leaving our our, i think that's our towing vehicle died that's our big low. tell that story tell the truck story Uh, yeah that the, the biggest one was like we just had this idea of what we were going to do and we had a a big heavy duty suburban with a big motor towing our trailer, very large trailer, almost ten thousand pounds. and it shredded the transmission ten days after we left, and it was basically worthless for an insane amount of repairs, and we had already put a ton of money into it. and so we basically had to let it go for two grand with a thousand dollars with the tires on it, yeah, and a mm. bunch of money is this it was a the weight of the sunk cost of like we're not getting, I think it was a total loss after putting everything into it of about $10,000. And that was like when we left. So I had just quit my job. We didn't have income at that point. And we were just like, okay, let's stretch this out and do this right. And boom, a $10,000 hit immediately. And then, oh, I also need to go buy a, now we got to find a truck that's reliable.
2: And we're, and, you know, being budget conscious people, like we've never had like car loans, like our rig we bought used, like we don't have payments. So we're like not going to go out to a dealer and just, you know, like sign up for something, especially with no income. Yeah. So he had to search Craigslist and all this. We were in Cody, Wyoming when this happened. And
1: yeah. um, I had to drive 10 hours over to Idaho, pick up a truck and drive it 10 hours back. And, and there goes another fifth, about 15k so essentially we lost 25k within the first two weeks of it was our like trip literally and we like lost our days. dog so it's like that was like an extreme like why are we doing this again <laughs> moment right. but then everything else after that is sort of like okay we needed to go through this yeah to really you know honestly like it, it helped us re- increase our resolve for doing this thing. Like, we need this so bad, we're gonna get through whatever it takes to do that.
2: Yeah. And and it really has made all of the other things that came after that, like, we've been like, well, we've, <laughs> we've already done this, we've already been through, like, so much worse, you know, we've had our share of breakdowns and, um, you know, dodging tornadoes and, you know, things like that. But, um, that the truck losing the truck 10 days in was was rough
0: yeah and I could I mean that's what's well one let me try to make a little joke here I think it would be a really good country song because I think anyone that loses their dog in their truck kind of in the first oh my first, gosh
2: we joked about that
0: yeah like no, I, that's like, exactly um, what I was thinking I was like I feel like I've heard this song before <laughs> but no I mean and, and that's a lot and I you know what's funny again not funny but is People run into this within the first month. You know, I've had guests on that'll just talk about how bad things happen within the first month. And I'm glad I'm talking to people that don't or have not believed that that's some sort of sign that this isn't the life that they should be living. Because I feel like there's something in the universe that does do that for some, and I'm not a hippie kind of guy in any way like that, but if you can get through that in the first month, you're golden. And and a lot of times it really is. We get back to when I asked this question there's usually a few stories and people will kind of go back and forth. Which one should we tell? A lot of it has to do with things, um, breaking down. And what I'd like to say is I know that if I ask bricks and sticks people, it's very rare that they would tell me, Oh, we had to replace the roof or, you know, we had a plumbing break that it's something else about their life. And it's interesting that in this lifestyle, it's usually in and around kind of the things that get us from place to A and B because that's our life. And, yeah. um, but I'm glad you guys powered through because that would be tough. And then it's got to be really scary, too. There are people that I've spoken to that, have, you know, it's the one-year plan. We're not going to work. We're going to live off of savings. And, you know, there no one's really expecting that to happen in the first 10 days. And it can really get you kind of worried about what's going to happen for the rest. So, I really, I'm glad you guys powered through. I'm glad I always start with the low, too, because it would be a terrible way to end the podcast, Um, let's go to the high. What I like to say is, what is a moment where you guys just sit and look at each other and you say, can you believe this is our life? Let's talk about one of those moments. And these are hard. And like, that's what I laugh about this. It's like, there's so many, it's tough for you to find one, but just try to find one. So many.
1: That's the deal. I mean, for us, we initially planned our trip on a huge map and all these points. and we went to Yellowstone National Park as our first major destination. And we were just standing in a field We walked all the way out with our kids and, you know, our one-year-old at that point has got binoculars pointed at a huge herd of bison. They're just walking around. We're surrounded by nothing but a valley um, and a beautiful, like, sunset almost happening. And it was just one of those, like, I don't know. It was like life just changed in that moment for me. Yeah. And, then, and then every destination after that had to be a national or state park because we were overwhelmed by how incredible they were. And we had never actually been to one, which is really sad to say. Yeah, so sad. Uh, but that moment was just sort of like, okay, this is what we're doing for the next year. And then it still continued to amaze us every time we step foot in a national park and stand on the edge of the Badlands or...
2: Yeah, boondocking or, you know, in the Badlands. I think that was, for me, it was like... Um, the boondocking spot that everyone always takes pictures of that are so epic and amazing. Um that was one of my moments. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is my life." And then um Utah, Everything. Moab. Yeah, Everything. I mean Yeah, there's too many. There's get, too many. You get to
1: the top of the Smoky Mountains and you literally just sit on top and have like a picnic with your family. Like just it is really truly exploring the national parks that are just the preserved crazy awesome geological features that are so unique um being able to visit those it's like going into different worlds and 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 then just experiencing that and just it strips away everything else right it it, it really does give you that deep sense of like freedom and And like
2: how small you are in this like great Mm -hmm. amazing beautiful world and um florida sunsets yeah. like yesterday we just like went. we're in North Carolina currently we went out to the beach they just opened up and um and we just had sunset at the beach and we're like this is a normal Monday like or what day is it <laughs>
1: <laughs> today's Friday. Right. Well, you know today's Thursday oh my gosh it was a Wednesday night and that <laughs> realizing that this, like any day, could be yeah, like any day could be go do that experience. You're not limited by what every you know what
0: in general society
1: central. dictates could be your everyday. Our everyday is could be that that moment.
0: So. And I I will say there are people that are listening that aren't full timers, and they're like, yeah, I kind of experienced that when we've gone on vacation and we rented an RV or taken an RV. I'm like, it's a little different when you're when you're living there for a while. I don't know how to explain it to people. I I always go back to, I really enjoy Lone Rock in Utah. And I would be camped there for a couple weeks, you know, dry camping. And I'd see people drive up, they get out of their Jeep, they take a picture of the Lone Rock, they get back in their Jeep and they leave. And that's their Instagram moment. That's their experience. And I'm like, it's not the same as like living at Lone Rock for a couple weeks and then moving on. And it's because you're not... The other thing too, I don't think a lot of people that do it as a vacation are realizing is they're not counting like how much this is costing them and how much they're trying to get done within a week of a vacation you know I have I've caught myself when I was on vacation at a hotel and being like I can't believe this is $300 a night we gotta like we gotta do all this to make it you know especially Vegas I was like I'm gonna eat $200 at the free buffet to make for for it kind of a thing (laughs) and I'm going to get my money's worth where there's just not that kind of aspect when you're living it. And when you're at these places, there's just something different about it. At least I've noticed that, that when it's not a vacation or it's not really agenda based, it's more about like, I'm here to experience it and breathe it all in and be here for a while. And But you are hundred percent right too. I feel like boondocking, if there are full-time RVers and you're feeling burnt out or you know just spend some time boondocking it really does refresh you and i know for people it's scary or maybe they don't have solar or they worry they get stuck i've had all those feelings too but parking on the sand in the gulf of texas and waking up and looking at the ocean and it's free that'll reset you in a heartbeat and oh
1: that is on our list maybe that's where we need to go next (laughs) that yeah we did a lot of southwest boondocking and it changes everything and even we even You know did it wasn't boondock it was dry camping at like big bend national park but just being there a week you're unhooked even though you're around people we were pretty isolated and you literally just walk out and let's go hike up this hill and watch the sunset let's or let's in near Capitol reef in utah we just found a random spot where we're the only ones around and you're just in this crazy valley and you look over and there's capital reef
2: oh that was definitely like, a, is this our life moment where our daughter is mm-hmm. just like chasing a butterfly through like these mm-hmm. gorgeous red rocks towering over us and like the desert wash and all of the like the beautiful desert plants and, and we're yeah the only ones there it was amazing but i will say this about boondocking for the people who are nervous about boondocking we um boondocked with a like crappy dorm fridge as our RV fridge that the previous owners had put in. Um, so it was residential, like did not run on propane. We had to like have electricity to keep our food cold. Um, and we were those people generators that all of the cool RV and we felt like such losers. Cause we had this bowling alley, like, and it's like really obnoxious. That's what we felt like with our loud generator in big bend national park. Um, but you know what we did it it did motivate us to get a better boondocking setup so now we have um you know some different options than just the generator but just do the thing even if you boondock for like two days you can you can do that like the worst that can happen
1: about doing it wrong is that you just go tow yourself out of there or drive yourself out of there. like that's it like that's the worst
0: yeah. I mean, I I don't think I've had a bad experience. I've had bad internet and that made it where I had to get up and leave because at the time I was working for someone, but I, I can't think of a boondocking experience. Besides the, the sand one, I just worked myself up. I just thought driving a 16,000 pound vehicle on sand is nuts. I mean, everyone's doing it, but it just seemed like, you know, especially being a SoCal kid, you don't drive on the sand on any of the beaches on the Pacific Ocean, really. And it freaked me out for a long time, but it was my greatest experience and I can't wait to go back, you know. I think about it all the time. Like I just want to go back to living on the ocean for free. It's yes. what people are paying millions for back home and I get to do it for free. Now before I let you guys go, I want to make sure and I'll link all this down below, but tell people where they can find you. Um if you guys are doing on stuff on social that they can follow you there, feel free to mention that. You don't have to if you don't want to, but where can people look you up and find you?
1: Yeah, easiest place is is the website iheartbudgets.net. That's where we've got all our all our fun stuff going on there. And then on social, you can find us pretty much anywhere. We're fairly active on Instagram at iheartbudgets. You can also find us same thing Facebook, Twitter slash iheartbudgets, Twitter slash iheartbudgets. It's
2: generally me on Instagram and Jake. I'm not on Twitter. Jake's full. That Twitter's his deal. Instagram's pretty much my deal. So if that influences anyone's decision on where to follow us.
1: <laughs> yeah. And Instagram, we, we really do want to pour into that community because a lot of people that do follow us are traveling or considering traveling. And so we post uh, a bit about our lifestyle, but we also post, you know, the the tips to help get your money right. Um, and 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 we've continued to pour into that community as well so that's probably the best social channel to follow us on
0: i love it and just any millennials that are listening it's not the heart emoji it's actually the word heart so just know that
2: yes i h <laughs> e a r t budget
0: i could see people be like i don't get it it's not going <laughs> maybe i have to use the pink heart no, i'm just kidding
1: right yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you guys, I want to thank you both for being on the show. It was a blast hearing your story. And, um, you know, I hope people that if they're having an interest in really understanding their budgets or figuring out how to make this work, they'll look you up and get a hold of you guys. And um, I'm grateful that I got to meet and talk with you guys.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah,
1: thank you.
0: All right, take care. Well, another fun episode. And for me, it was a ton of fun to get to know Jacob and Michelle. Now, if you want to learn more about iHeartBudgets, you can head over to iHeartBudgets.net. And then you can look for them also on Instagram and Twitter. As they said, just look for iHeartBudgets. Remember, it's the word heart. And don't forget to head over to rootlessliving.com today and grab a free digital subscription to the Rootless Living magazine. And one last thing, you guys, before you hit stop, just take a second, give this podcast a review. It's a huge help. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.